This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here. When you are around alpacas, it doesn't take you long to realise that they are different from each other. I'm not just talking about the way they look, for example, colour, conformation or fleece coverage. It's also true of the way they behave. In this episode, I want to take some time to consider this individual nature of alpacas and how you can use this to help you care for them, so you learn how to see what is going on and not miss signs of potential ill health or the need for some kind of intervention. I'm particularly aiming this at people who have a small herd. You might think it's too small to even grace them with that term. I'm thinking of groups of 3 to 10 in number, though clearly the principles will apply to larger groups too. Observation, pattern spotting, and interpretation. Who knew that you needed to have them in your arsenal of alpaca husbandry skills? Where do you start? How about we start with what you know? Alpacas are sometimes described as tall sheep with long necks. There may be superficial similarities, but I think you will have found them to be significantly different from sheep, and clearly superior. Okay, I put my hand up and acknowledge my clear bias from the start, but this is the Alpaca Tribe podcast, so I know you'll make allowances, and I'm probably among friends. At least I hope so. I have met some interesting sheep. Honest. Just not very often. Your experience may vary. Alpacas are to be found in many places around the world now, but originate in the level heights of the Andes of southern Peru, western Bolivia, Ecuador and northern Chile, at an altitude of 3,500 metres to 5,000 metres above sea level. Thank you, Wikipedia. They come from the high plains, or altoplano, of the Andes. Originally domesticated and developed by the Incas, they were bred for their unique fleece and considered by the Incas to be holy animals and the province of royalty and the top echelons of society. In fact, it was not lawful for anyone else to own them. I'm sure that you're pleased times have changed. The environment they developed in was high altitude, high sun intensity and sub-zero night temperatures for much of the year. After a spring flush of growth on the high plains, Wide wanderings are necessary to find sufficient food, highly efficient digestive systems help, and their partial ruminant status allows them to make the most of any food they do find. And now you have them living in your backyard, metaphorically at least. The two big questions we have to answer are, what is normal for alpacas? What is normal for this alpaca? When alpacas are on their own, away from the rest of the herd, this can be an indication that the animal may not be well. We had five pregnant females to start our adventure with alpacas. One day, about six months into our adventure, we noticed that there was something not quite right about Nicola, our black female. Was it something in the way she moved, or that she seemed to be holding back slightly? Whatever it was, there was something slightly troubling. The following day, she was keeping herself separate from the rest of the herd. She was sat down while the others were grazing. I had seen something, and it was becoming more significant. By happy coincidence, the breeder we got the females from was visiting with stud males to carry out matings. 
Together we checked her over and discovered her to be anemic and to have lost body condition. We were able to get the vet out straight away. This turned out to be an acute liver fluke infection from which she subsequently died. I knew a bit, but not enough to pick up the cues until too late. Sometimes that's the case, but the aim here is to give you some tools you can use. Going back to our two foundational questions, what is normal for alpacas? It's normal that they remain as part of the group. What is normal for this alpaca? Nicola fitted with what you'd expect and provided a lesson I do not want to repeat. Lily, however, is another thing altogether. Generally, alpacas will be clearly in the group, but Lily hates flies, and to avoid them in the summer spends a lot of time on her own, either in the stable or in the shade. She's also black, so gets uncomfortable in hot sun. This is her choice and where she is most at home. Seeing her on her own, I still do a quick mental check to confirm she is normal for her. But if it was one of the others, I would pursue it, or at least make a mental note to check where and how they are in a few hours, or sooner, depending on the situation. Have you noticed with your alpacas that some are more loners than others? Not quite as extreme as an independent alpaca. Let's think for a moment about alpaca sitting. Normally, alpacas will cush, sit down with their legs tucked under them. They'll sit to chew the cud at regular intervals, and as a group. Sometimes you'll find one sat and the others grazing. Are they just starting a trend, or are they standing out as different from the rest of the group and in need of keeping an eye on? Lying on their side is unusual, except when it's not. Sunbathing regularly makes me worry that there may be something wrong. If it's more than one of them, it's probably normal, and they're just taking advantage of the bright sun. One by itself, lying down? Check it out. Some seem to enjoy sunbathing more than most, and Megan, well, she'll lie out in full sun and groan and sigh like she's in serious trouble. Frequent checking makes her get a bit fed up with the intrusions, so I've now added this to the list of normal for her. Feeding time is another great opportunity to spot behaviours and to check norms. The goal is for you to know normal so you don't have to think about it too much, and anything abnormal will then shout at you. Observation, patterns, interpretation. With feeding, I work on the basis of three feet of headspace per alpaca. That means that there needs to be enough feeding points, either in the troughs or through separate bowls and buckets, to allow the alpacas to move around and prevent one animal bossing and blocking the food from the others. Typically, there are one or two of the animals that will come to feed first and others that will hang back. Think about what is normal for your alpacas. Who is always first? Who is always last? If they are always first but hang back, there could be something wrong. Sore mouth, just had a fight with one of the others, or digestive discomfort. It raises a flag as an exception to the norm and should be noted, so if necessary you can act. Giving treats to alpacas has, in my experience, been problematic. Whenever I offer a carrot or piece of an apple directly to them, they have a suspicious sniff and then back away like I'm trying to poison them. When I leave the offering in the buckets or trough, it disappears, so somebody's eating it. This has changed over time, and as they become more familiar, some will happily take treats such as carrots or apple. For mine, flaked peas are the treat of choice. What is normal here is that alpacas will eat a range of things, typically with a pick-and-mix approach. They seem to know what they want and possibly what they need. 
When grazing, you will sometimes notice one or two will start browsing the leaves of trees or brambles. Mine in particular like the blackberries later in the season, and one or two will start on them, attracting attention from the others who do not want to miss out and so follow suit. This is the same for leaves from trees. Clearly there's a need to make sure that poisonous plants and vegetation are not accessible. However, it is normal behaviour for alpacas to be browsing this way. In one paddock, which is on a slope, the bottom of the trees there are also on a slope as they follow the angle of the ground beneath. Oena, a larger alpaca, has also learnt how to stand and balance on her back legs to reach that little bit higher to access the leaves that others can't reach. You will probably have noticed that some areas of grass will be left to grow longer, while others are grazed to within a millimetre of its life. This is normal. Sometimes the long grass is around the poo pile, and for obvious reasons, they prefer not to graze this. I've heard that this is because the grass tastes bitter. I have no idea how people can know this, but I will trust their word. There are obviously some areas of sweet grass, and they're the ones who will be grazed particularly short. Being herd animals, alpacas have a fascinating range of social interactions. I guess this is one of the reasons they are great time wasters. You can watch and learn for hours. The angle of ears, the angle and position of tail, and vocalisations are all part of their repertoire. This is a mum talking to her newborn baby. And this, an alpaca humming. Some are more talkative than others, and some seem to take on the guard role in the herd, and will be the ones to first make the alarm cry when there is a threat of some kind. When helping someone with shearing one year, one of their alpacas became slightly stressed and made the alarm cry which the owner's daughter had never heard before, and was rather perturbed to hear this sound coming out of her animal. Sometimes it is in response to seeing a cat, sometimes a fox, strange dogs, or anything else perceived as a threat. Herd relationships can be complex. I have found that there is some recognition of family connection between the different generations. There are some who are friends and happily share a food trough together, and others, no way will they share the trough. There is a form of hierarchy that seems to be flexible, but what do I know? It could be highly rigid, but it doesn't appear to be so. It's normal, therefore, for some animals to get on together well, and others, not so well. This is important should you need to separate any into smaller groups for whatever reason. Pick carefully who you put together. Let's consider for a moment moving alpacas. We added Millie, a black female, and her career at foot into an existing group of females. Normally they are in the field next to the stables, but we do often move them to another paddock for grazing during the day, requiring passing through a gate and along a path to the other field. The first time we did this with Millie, she led the way, even though she had no idea where she was going. Since that time, she has led the group between fields, and if Millie is not at the front, the others will approach the gate and then stand around, unsure of what to do next. As soon as Millie arrives, she leads them, and they all follow. There's also something of a hierarchy in the order of animals as they progress down the path. Millie at the front, of course. Hermione, about three back, threatening to spit at anyone who tries to come past her, followed then by an assortment, 
with Amelia bringing up the rear. On one occasion, one of the others was at the back and turned out to be unwell. Recognise what is normal for your particular group and note anything out of the ordinary. Have you noticed sometimes they just look wrong? When you've seen your alpacas regularly, you get to know what's normal, and sometimes things will just stand out as odd and unexplained. This sense of something just looking wrong should be taken note of. Sometimes you don't know what's triggering this thought, but do take account of it and follow up as necessary. Trust your instincts. Pain. Knowing when your alpaca is in pain is not experience we want to gain. However, it is important that we can recognise it so we can do something about it should it occur. They tend to look slightly hunched and uncomfortable when it's more minor. There's a different look about the face and the eyes. It's difficult to describe, but maybe they're looking slightly distracted. If pain is severe, it can increase salivation, so you'll see a wet lower jaw, or maybe drips on the ground. And in extreme pain, grinding of teeth. Not pleasant. If you know what a happy alpaca looks like, we will notice when things are unusual. To recap then, it's all about knowing your alpacas. If you know what is normal, you will notice what is abnormal. Know what is normal for alpacas in general and then adapt this to what is particular to your herd and individual animals. What is normal for alpacas? What is normal for this alpaca? It takes time and attention, watching for detail, but you will fairly quickly start recognising things that stand out as being unusual. This is you, knowing your alpacas. I hope that you found our thinking about knowing your alpacas helpful and you now have some practical tips and suggestions to help you make the most of your alpacas and understanding them. It doesn't happen overnight, but is easy and fun to do. And it will make a difference in how well you care for your alpacas as you pick up early on potential problems. Your homework is to identify in your alpacas three things where their normal is slightly different from alpacas in general. Let me know how you get on by emailing me steve at alpacatribe.com If you have any questions from what you've heard in this episode, do drop me a line. And if there are any subjects you would like me to cover in a future episode, I want to hear from you. Thanks for listening and being part of this alpaca journey. I appreciate it. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington.